there is actually a stairwell, and we're going down there now. There's a stairwell that goes down further. It's a, a stone stairwell, and it really does feel like we're going down into a cave or a, a rock tunnel. And now, we are, where are we? And so now we're in the lower level of the Shrine of the Book, and we're seeing what arguably is the most important document in this shrine, and that is the Aleppo Codex. Oh, my goodness. Here we are. This is the Aleppo Codex. This is a modern printing that was put out by, um, it's called the Hebrew University Bible, although it actually wasn't put out by Hebrew University, and that's a whole scandal <laughs> into itself. Um, uh, but in any event, it's based directly on the Aleppo Codex. And what we have is most, <coughs> almost every printing today is based either directly or indirectly on the Aleppo Codex, and it's much easier to do it indirectly, because basically you just reproduce the Bible that was put out in 1524, by a man named Bomberg, and he was actually a Christian who put out the first Bible in Hebrew, he printed it, and that's usually referred to as the rabbinical Bible, <laughs> even though it was put out by a Christian printer. Well, what happened in modern Israel is they said, why are we using a Bible based on a Christian printer? Um, we have this Hebrew manuscript, the Aleppo Codex, let's make it based on the Aleppo Codex. And the differences are very, very small. The average reader, even fluent in Hebrew, wouldn't find the differences, but there are some differences that don't really change the meaning, but if every, you know, the idea is if every letter and every, you know, dot and jot and tittle is sacred, then we want to try to get it as accurate as possible. So this printing, the Hebrew University Bible, is based on the Aleppo Codex. Now what we have here is a page from the Aleppo Codex, and this is one of what's known as one of the lost pages. Is this, is this an actual page? or is This is an actual page, and this is a section from 2 Chronicles 35.7 through 36.19, so what happened is in 1947 there was a Jewish riot against, or excuse me, there was an Arab riot against the Jews in, on November 29th, 1947. That was the day that the United Nations announced they would partition the uh, British uh, Air district of Palestine into a Jewish state and an Arab state. And at the time, by the way, the, the Palestinians were Jews who lived in Palestine. And the Arabs were just called Arabs. They weren't called Palestinians. Um, my brother-in-law's parents had these passports the day they died that said um, Palestinian. Mm -hmm. uh, they were Jews who were born in, in Jerusalem mm -hmm. in, you know, uh, during the British period. In any event, so what happened is the synagogue, ancient synagogue in Aleppo was ransacked. They went in and they, they opened up the, sa the safe thinking there was gold in there mm -hmm. and they found the Aleppo Codex and the Arabs said, well, this isn't worth anything and they threw it on the ground. Mm -hmm. And it was believed to have been destroyed for quite a number of years and then it finally it was smuggled out of Syria into Israel and a third of it was missing. And that's when it went missing? It, uh, it was once complete? It was complete in 1942, and it was examined by Umberto Casuto, who was the head of the uh, Bible department at Hebrew University. At the time, in 1942, he went to Syria, to Aleppo, and examined the Aleppo Codex, and it was complete. It was complete, then? It was complete. So somewhere... Somewhere between 1942 and 1956, and really... Between 1947 and 1956, it went missing. There's a book that came out recently that claims it might have gone missing in Jerusalem um, and been sold in the antiquities market, but no one knows for sure. Sometime between 1947 and 56, it, it went missing. So there's, there is a possibility that some, that third could be reconciled with the whole. Absolutely, and, and what's interesting about this page from 2 Chronicles 35.7 is that this is one of the missing pages that somebody in New York um, whose parents came from Aleppo in Syria where this manuscript was kept for hundreds of years, uh, she, her father had this page, and she 
didn't know what to do with it, so she put it in an envelope and sent it to the Hebrew University, or to the National Library in Israel, and they opened it up, and they're like, oh my God, this is a page from the Aleppo Codex wow. that we thought was burned in the fire. And then they realized, wait a minute, maybe the, maybe the pages weren't burned. And if you look at the corner, you see those black marks. Mm. So what they did is they did a, uh, an analysis of that, and it's not fire, it's mold. It's mold. Yeah, and there's no evidence anywhere of, uh, in the manuscript that, that it was burned in fire. So it may well, the rest of it may well be somewhere. It's very probably somewhere on the antiquities market, probably in you know, the living room of some billionaire somewhere. Um, there's a claim that there's an Israeli billionaire who lives in London that has it in his safe, but no one knows for sure. Wow. So That's kind of cool. Moving on. So this is a special, ex oh, a brand plucked from burning or from the fire. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So this has never been on display before. This is another piece of the Aleppo Codex that somebody walked around with as an amulet for years in New York. And I guess when he died, it was turned over to, to Israel. And it's one of the pages of, you know, from the book of Exodus. Or it's a section. It's a small section from the book of Exodus. And it looks like this page was burned. Um, and he picked up this fragment in Aleppo, you know, outside the synagogue and took it with him to New York. And, and now it's here in, in Jerusalem in the Shrine of the Book. Uh, it says here, this tiny fragment contains 14 lines from various verses of the book of Exodus, belonging to four consecutive columns of text, etc., etc. Um, it's pretty cool. So some of it may have been destroyed, but then the book of the, the most of the Torah is missing as a block, and the odds are that that's somewhere on the antiquities market, that somebody removed it from the Aleppo Codex, probably in Jerusalem, and said, I'm going to make some money off of this, and then uh, you can read the book. It's sure. It's called The Aleppo Codex by Mati Friedman, and it's a very, very fascinating book. So this is a page that was actually prepared by Umberto Casuto when he went in, I see it's 1943, he went to Aleppo to examine the, the Aleppo Codex. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he really wanted to know is what exactly is the colophon? The colophon in the manuscript is the title page, and it usually appears at the end, and the reason it appears at the end is it's describing how the book was written, who wrote it, under <coughs> what circumstances, and uh, it, you know, it basically says who the scribe was and how he wrote it and who paid for it, etc. And so this colophon had been printed many times with variations. Now, Kasuto was a, a great scholar, one of the greatest Bible scholars of all time, and he said, I want to know letter for letter exactly what it says. And so he went there with a printout of, the, of the, um, what, he, you know, what, what the accepted version was, and he corrected letter by letter so he would know exactly what it said in the colophon. The reason that's important is the colophon is one of the missing pages now. Wow. In 43, it was there in Aleppo. Now it's missing. Now what's interesting is it says the circumstances under which this was written, and it says, This is the, the complete codex of the 24 books that it was written by our uh, teacher and rabbi Shlomo, who is known as Ben Buya'a, um, the quick scribe, etc., 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 and it says, And it says, this guy has a whole bunch of titles. It was um, uh, vocalized, meaning the dots and dashes that indicate the vowels were put in it, and, the, and it was proofread um, very well by the great, learned, wise, and this guy has a million titles, and then finally his name is um, uh, the teacher Rabbi Aharon, the son of uh, Asher. That's Aaron Ben Asher. Mm -hmm. So he actually didn't write the consonants, he only wrote the vowels and proofread it and, and corrected it. Aaron ben Asher, the actual scribe was Shlomo ben Buya'a. And this was considered for centuries the Bible. 
the one that was prepared by Shlomo Ben Buya'a. The interesting thing to me is that um, Kasudo confirmed that it was actually written for the Karaites of Jerusalem. Really? Yeah, and it says that here. Um, it was commissioned by Israel of Basra, etc., and it says that it was prepared uh, for the Karaite synagogue in Jerusalem. That's what it says there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kasudo confirmed that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's one of the missing pages, but Kasuda went there in 43, and he confirmed letter by letter what exactly it said in this colophon. Fascinating. Yeah. So this here is the Aleppo Codex, and the top two pages are real. The ones in the sides are what we call a replica, mm-hmm. meaning it's like wood or cardboard or something. Mm-hmm. But the top two pages are real, and this is two pages from the Aleppo Codex, and this is from the Psalms. And the interesting thing is every time I come here, I try to pay attention to what pages are on display, mm-hmm. and they switch them around. Oh, really? They do. Every time I come, it's different pages, because the you know the full book is over in um in, in the vault mm-hmm. in the safe, the walk-in safe. So here it's from the Psalms. It says mizmor David bevo doeg adomi for the conductor uh, a maskil, which is a type of psalm mm-hmm. of David when doeg the adomi the Edomite came to him, uh, and it was told to Saul, and he said. David has come to the house of Ahimelech, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the Psalms. And what's interesting is that we look at this, and this is the book of Psalms, and there's no chapter numbers. <laughs> so you couldn't say Psalm 42 or Psalm 45. And maybe you could, but nobody would know what you were talking mm-hmm. about, because in their Bible there were no chapter numbers. <laughs> so you'd have to say, oh, this refer, you know, the psalm I'm quoting is, Maskila David Bevoy Doega Domi. You know, you'd have to actually quote the psalm so they would know what you were talking mm-hmm. about. Um, and that's strange because to us because like if you were going to break any book into chapters, it would be the book of Psalms because there's 150 very clear and distinct Psalms. Mm. What's interesting is that in some of the Jewish traditions, two of the Psalms that we count as two Psalms are one Psalm. Is that right? Yeah, and I believe it's 42 and 43. Off the top of my head, I don't remember. Well, interesting. But what's interesting is the book of Psalms itself is broken up into five books in the Hebrew. Is that right? Yeah. It, and, it, and, there's a pl- and it makes sense because you get to one passage where it says, Thus ends the Psalms of David, the son of Yishai. And it doesn't make sense because there's more Psalms of David. But that was the end of that book. Mm. I think it's the end of the third book, if I'm not mistaken. So there were five scrolls. At one time, it was five separate scrolls. There it is. So what's interesting about this scroll on display here, there's a big gap between the last Dead Sea Scrolls and the Aleppo Codex, or the earliest Masoretic manuscripts, even some that predate the Aleppo Codex. So some of them go back to the 9th century in the Aleppo Codex, the 800s AD. Um the ones that predate the Aleppo Codex. And then you have um, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the latest of which is can't be later than 135 A.D. because they were, you know, from the Bar Kokhba revolt. So what happened between 135 and 800? Where are the Torah scrolls and the Bible scrolls from there? And so here's one of the, there's very few that have survived. Here's an example of one. And this is, I believe, this is from the, let's see. Oh, this is a facsimile. So it's not the original. And this is from Exodus 9, 18 to 13, 12, and it says 7th to 8th century, meaning this is from the 600s and 700s. So there's very few scrolls that have actually survived from that period. Wow. So one of the reasons that Ben Asher is, is, or the Aleppo Codex is, is given so much authority is that Maimonides says that in the Jewish world, this is considered the Bible. People come from all over the Jewish world to, um, to, to proofread their Bibles against it. And, and Maimonides lived in the 12th century, and that actually fits the colophon that explains that one of the purposes 
of the Aleppo Codex, when it was in Jerusalem originally, um, in the Karite Synagogue, was for people to come and proofread. They wouldn't read on, in the Shabbat from this scroll, from, this, from the Aleppo Codex, because it was a codex. They'd read from a Torah scroll that didn't have vowels or, mm-hmm. or accents. But when they wanted to check their Bibles, it was used to, you know, for proofreading. And it, and it actually says a very interesting thing in the Colophon. It says that if anybody who is a Rabbinite or a Karite wants to come and see it, they have to take it out and show it to him to help him proofread his scrolls. And, although, and that means even though it was in a Karite synagogue, the people who paid for it and commissioned it said the condition of donating this to the Karite synagogue in Jerusalem is that it's available to all Jews. And I think that was very important. This is one of the reasons that it was accepted by all Jews. They knew the scribe was the top-notch scribe in the world at the time based himself on the most important manuscripts available at the time and basically made this the perfect copy of scripture that was available and um, what happened is in in uh, the crusaders came and they captured jerusalem and they took hundreds of torah scrolls and manuscripts as booty because they knew the jews would ransom them and so they eventually uh took you know sold it for ransom to the jews of egypt and it was in egypt for several hundred years and then somehow it mysteriously got from Egypt to Aleppo. Nobody knows how, but presumably it was it was it was stolen. Um, and and that's one of the reasons they say that the Jews of Aleppo didn't want anyone to see it. So there's almost no photographs of the Aleppo Codex from before 1947. I believe there are two, and they actually preserve pages that are now lost. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and uh, one is from Deuteronomy and one is from Genesis, mm-hmm. and and those are lost pages now. And, um, and then in 1943, they let Casuto see it. And I think that was the third person in modern times that they ever let see it. Um, and he was, you know, and, he, and they actually went to Casuto and they said to him, look, we're going to give this to you and put it in your suitcase to smuggle out of the country. And he says years later that um, he said, as a scholar, I, wa- I, couldn't, l- I couldn't allow myself to smuggle uh, an antiquity out of the country. And, and so I couldn't do it, but I kind of regret it. Because if he had smuggled that, we'd have the whole thing today. Now, bear in mind, he's there in 1943, and uh, and this was just after the British had overthrown the Vichy French uh, regime in Syria, and so he's in living in you know what was called Palestine, and the British are in uh, ruling over Syria, and so if somebody noticed the manuscript was missing, the British could have gotten him anywhere and thrown him in a dungeon somewhere. And so I think that was also one of the considerations that you're not just smuggling out of one country to the other, these two countries are ruled essentially by the same power. Mm-hmm.